0: Hi, how we doing? All right, good to see you out today. It's already been a great week, as you saw from the little uh, video uh, collage. We had a great picnic this past Wednesday, uh, Independence Day, Fourth of July picnic. We had over 400 people come out to the picnic. It was amazing. Yeah, it was really great. So many people brought their neighbors and that. It was just a really great fellowship. And I want to thank all of you who volunteered that day to make that such a great celebration. So all of our volunteers, those who helped out on Saturday, uh, in any capacity as a volunteer, would you stand up, please? Our volunteers, where are you all at? There you are. Woo! You were the bridge to all of us. We had a great time. Some great hot dogs and hamburgers. That's 400 people. That's a lot of hot dogs and hamburgers, isn't it? But we had plenty. It didn't rain out. It was a great day. The Lord blessed. You know, it's hot in the summertime in Florida. Anybody ever hear that? But anyhow, the Lord said, it looked like it was going to be a storm. Just these storm clouds surrounded the campus and not one drop fell. Not one drop. It just cooled it down. We had a nice breeze coming through. And it was a beautiful time together. So thank you all who, who helped volunteer. Don't forget the, the blood Mobile's out here today after church. Make sure you go out and give the gift of life if you have a few extra moments. Well, we're in our summer series called Summer Shorts. And Summer Shorts, for those of you who are guests, are one-week messages. Uh, we don't usually do series in the summer because so many people go on vacations and they say, oh, I'm gonna miss that week and that week and that week. So we do Summer Shorts. Now, I'm, I'm gonna fudge a little bit and we're gonna call it Summer Pedal Pushers today. We're gonna go a little bit longer than shorts because I'm gonna go over two weeks with the message I'm gonna share it with you today. I'm gonna to talk about freshening up your faith, how to freshen up your faith. Uh, really important time. You know, increasing numbers of believers, and we're not talking about unbelievers, we're talking about believers, are experiencing a very stale, unsatisfying Christian experience today. I mean, a lot, a lot of folks, you know, still doing church, still love God, still love Jesus, still believe in the Bible, still believe in prayer. But it's just something that's not there. You know, it, There's just something that is missing. There's not that excitement. There's not that, that satisfaction. There's not that sense of God's presence in our life. And we're getting a little stale. Now, why is that true? Well, in my experience, what happens in my own life and in, in the life of others I've dealt with is that when we get stale in our Christian experience, It's because there's no positive movement in our spiritual life. There's no positive spiritual growth going on. Now, there's a master key to spiritual joy. Did you know that? There's a master key to spiritual joy. Now, this message for some of you, you're going to go, oh, yeah. And some of you are going to go, oh, yeah. And some of you are going to go, oh, yeah. So for all of us, it's going to be either affirming, it's going to be a reminder, or some of you are going to learn something today you've never heard before. So let's get into it because I'm excited to share with you. There is a master key to spiritual joy. The first part of that key is that spiritual joy is linked to spiritual growth. Let me say it again. Spiritual joy is linked to spiritual growth. Peter, one of the original 12 disciples, in his first New Testament letter that we call 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 2 said, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Peter says, here's how we should be as believers. We should be like like immortal infants that we're always craving. You know how infants crave milk? When they're hungry, you know an infant's hungry, right? They let us know that. We should crave pure spiritual milk. Why? so that we grow up in our salvation, not grow into our salvation because we receive our salvation the moment we trust Christ as our Savior, but we grow up in our salvation. So spiritual joy is linked to that idea of spiritual growth, growing up in our salvation. The second part of the key is this, spiritual growth is linked to glorifying God. Now the first part you probably knew. Second part maybe not. Spiritual joy is linked with spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is linked to giving God glory. 2 Peter 3:18 says, "But grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, to him be what? Glory both now and forever." We lose sight of how important giving God glory is. The Bible says it over and over again. We shouldn't lose sight of it, but we do. And sometimes we don't realize how important it is to our life, how important it is to our relationship with God, and how important it is as a determining factor of whether we are living a Christian experience that is full of joy and anticipation, or whether we're kind of just going through the motions. Now, the master key to spiritual joy is to understand and embrace what it means to glorify God. That's the key, glorifying God. I'll bet some of us haven't thought about the idea of glorifying God in a long time. Some of you never thought about that idea and had no idea how important it is to your spiritual satisfaction. The concept of glorifying God is the reason Everything exists. Everything that was created was created to glorify God. Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. In other words, all of creation, everything we see is to the glory of God because he created it all. Isaiah 43, 20 says, wild animals honor me, God says. The jackal and the owl, even the animal kingdom exists to the glory of God. When Jesus was born, there was a heavenly proclamation to the shepherds that were abiding in their fields, watching their flocks at night. And in Luke 2, verse 13 and 14, it said, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, What? Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God. The triumphal entry when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, that, that celebration that we as a church celebrate is Palm Sunday now where the people were laying down palm branches in their coats as Jesus was entering on a colt and they were crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Glory to God in the highest, see? Glory to God. And the Pharisees and the religious leaders said to Jesus, rebuke your disciples and tell them not to say that. Look what Jesus said. Jesus said, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. See, because everything in creation is designed to give God glory. Philippians 4.20 therefore says, to our God and Father be glory. When? Forever and ever. Let's read that again. To our God and Father be glory. Glory. Forever and ever. I want to impress upon us today and next week how important giving God glory is. Not only to God, because God is in heaven and God's got heavenly angels and all that giving him glory all the time. How important it is to us in our relationship with God and in our satisfaction of that relationship. As we live to God's glory, here's what happens. We put ourselves in the process of spiritual growth, which is very important because that's what helps us to achieve joy. Staying now, now here's the key. Staying in the process of spiritual growth is what gives joy to the Christian experience. See, we all get it when we first trust Christ as our Savior, man, we're excited and we're ready and the new thing has happened and we've been forgiven and we're excited and all, it's all... And then as we kind of hang around and as we continue to be family members of the Lord for a long time, oftentimes what happens is we kind of plateau. We, we almost flatline sometimes. And we're just now being ritualistic and we're going through the motions. And, and we, we, we say, what, you know, what happened to that zip I used to have? What happened to that relationship I used to have to God? How come I don't, I don't sense that anymore? And the reason is because we have stopped giving glory to God. Psalm 16 verses 8 and 9 says this. The psalmist says, I have set the Lord always before me. In other words, he said, I am giving glory to God. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure. See, the psalmist discovered the the key to spiritual joy. And that is to give God glory. And we give God glory. When the psalmist gave God glory, he says his heart was glad. How many want to have a glad heart? He said, so my tongue rejoiced. How many want to be filled with praise and, and good things and instead of complaining and depression? How many want to have a heart that's at peace and secure? Well, the key is giving God glory. It's a cause and effect. We give God glory, we experience joy. We stop giving glory, we lose our joy. It's a cause and effect relationship. And it's present in every human being. It is particularly present in the life of every Christ follower, every believer. Now, the reason our world is so messed up today is because we as a race, have increasingly stopped giving God glory. In fact, we've, we've kind of kicked God out of all kinds of places, haven't we? Not only have we not given glory, we don't even want him a part of our culture or society anymore. And then we wonder why things are so terrible and why there's so much chaos. See, we're, we're, where God is, there is love and there's control, there's peace. Where God isn't, there's chaos. It's not because God's hid his glory from us. It's not that God has kind of disappeared, we don't see him anymore. God has all throughout human history showed his glory over and over again. He displayed it in all creation. We already saw that, Psalm 19.1. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord, the skies proclaim the, hands of the, the work of his hands. We see it there. God displayed his glory in the Exodus. Remember when the, the children of Israel left 400 years of slavery in Egypt. God displayed his glory in Exodus thirty-three, fourteen. 14. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. See the cause effect again? My presence will go with you, my glory will go with you, and that you'll be at rest in this, this very unsettling, uncertain experience that you're about to enter into it. He said, my presence will go with you. We see in Scripture that during the day, as they were wandering through the wilderness, his presence was there in the form of a, of a cloud, at night, his presence was there in the form of a pillar of fire. But his presence was always there. And wherever God's presence is, there is rest. He displayed his glory in the tabernacle. Now, the tabernacle was a portable worship facility that the, that the Israelites used when they were traveling in their, their wilderness journeys before they actually got to the promised land. And it was a replica or, or it, was a, it was a precursor of what the temple would finally become, that Solomon would build. But now they've built this now tabernacle that God has has, uh, told them to build to the specifications God has told them to build it to. And now they're gonna dedicate it to God. Look what happens in Exodus 40, verse 34 through 35. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the what? Glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of the meeting because the cloud had settled upon it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The glory of God was there. God displayed his glory in such a way that Moses couldn't even go into the tent because the presence of God was so powerful. The same thing happened years later when the Jews finally completed the first temple under the reign of Solomon. 1 Kings 8 verses 10 through 11. When the priests withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the temple. See, God showed his glory. He displayed his glory in his son, Jesus. John 1 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one only. In other words, we see the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ. In the future, when Jesus comes back, he's going to display his glory and no one's going to deny his glory then. But over and over and over again, we just say a couple examples. God has declared, see my glory, see my glory. See who you can have relationship. See who you can live with. See who you can enjoy life with. He's over and over again. See who I really am. The reason we get the spiritual blahs is because we stop giving God glory. Now, the master key to spiritual joy Again, it's to understand and embrace what it means to give God glory. Spiritual joy is linked to spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is linked to giving God glory. So how do we glorify God? What do we do? What do we do to put ourselves in this process? Well, I'm going to share three things this week, and I'm going to share five things next week. And if you have to miss next week, that you will get you caught up, I promise you. How do we glorify God? Now understanding and being reminded of how important it is in our relationship to give God glory. How do we do that? What does that look like? Well, first and foremost, by the way, this is the starting place. We give God glory by trusting Jesus Christ as our Savior. That's where it all starts. We glorify God by trusting Jesus as our Savior. In John 14, 6, remember that Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, a large percentage of humanity would look at that verse And would say, how arrogant, how egotistical of Jesus to say something like that. That he's the way, he's the truth, he's the light And no one, really, no one gets to heaven, no one gets to God except through Jesus. See, people, people will say, man, that's egotistical. That's arrogant. That's one of the reasons... Christianity is hated so much among the other religions of the world is because we accept that. So when we go against the current of culture, when we resist what society embraces and would say about this, and we say, I'm going to accept that, I'm gonna accept that Jesus wasn't being arrogant, he wasn't being egotistical at all, that Jesus was being truthful. Then John 5, 24 says, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who has sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned, he has crossed over from death to life. So Jesus says, listen, The first way that any human being gives me glory, gives God glory, is to trust that I am the Savior. To believe that I went to the cross to pay the sin debt for every human being who has ever existed and ever will exist. And believe what God has revealed about me and about his plan to bring salvation to humanity. Do you see how that's glorifying God? Because most religions say, i got to glorify me. Somehow i got to be a good enough person. Somehow I have to do enough good things. Somehow I've got to work my way to heaven. See, it makes it all about me and, and how great I am. When God says, no, it's about how great I am. And when you just accept that, you bring me glory. We then glorify God once we've taken step one by aiming our life at his glory. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says this, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, read it with me, do it all for the glory of God. Now I love this passage of scripture. I love that the, the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write this. He says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, Think of how mundane eating and drinking is. I mean, it is so common that we, we, we barely think about it. We might look forward to it. Some of you are right now thinking about where you're going to eat. I know I am. <laughs> but it's mundane. We get up in the morning and before we go to work or school, we have breakfast. And then probably someplace midway, we're going to have a donut or something as a snack. And then at noon, we're going to have lunch or whatever. And then we're going to have a snack in the afternoon. Then we're going to eat dinner. Then we're going to plop ourselves down before the TV and eat chips or ice cream or something all night. You know, At least those of us that look like me. Right? It's mundane. And God said, even in the most mundane things that we do every day, Give glory to God. We do that by aiming our personal conduct at his glory. Scripture reveals the life that God would like us to, leave, to live. He would like, it reveals the behaviors he would like us to embrace. And we say, you know what, God? I'm going to agree with you that what you have prescribed for me is better than what I would choose for myself. So I'm going to give you glory by doing it your way, not mine. See, we aim our life at his glory. We aim our marriage at his glory for those who are married. We say, you know, God, we're just going to have this thing between the two of us here. We're we're, we're going to have a three-way relationship. It's going to be an equilateral triangle where we're going to relate together. But at at, at the top of that, the pyramid at at the top of that triangle is going to be you, God. And we want others to see hope for marriage in our glory to you and our dedication to you and our perseverance in our marriage, even though times really get tough sometimes. We're going to bring you glory in our marriage. Well, some of you say, well, I'm not married. Well, aim your singleness at God. It's tough. I can't imagine being single out there in the world we're living, especially young single people. Because our culture now has given license to so many things that are diametrically opposed to a biblical worldview. And so many young people are just doing it because everybody else is doing it, see? But see, when when a young person or even an older single adult will say, you know, I am not going to succumb to culture. I'm going to aim my singleness at God's glory. I'm going to do things that bring God glory. I'm going to have relationships that bring God glory. I'm not going to do things that would detract from God's glory and that would cause somebody to say, now, you're a Christian, right? Now, but why would you be doing what you're doing as a Christian? See, that detracts from the glory of God. Aim our families at his glory. Those that have children in the family or your guardians of children. Aim the family at the glory of God. What do we do to bring God into our daily family life? See, God should be preeminent in there. We we should be teaching our children the things of God, and we should be teaching them primarily by role modeling how believers live in the eyes of our children because our children are going to listen to only a a fraction of what we tell them. What they're going to embrace is what they see in our lives. They see us pray. When they see us read our Bibles. When they see us give our time and our talents to the service of the Lord. See, we aim our families and to other families. They come to our house and we still have grace when they're invited to our house and and we eat together. We have grace. And we we have our house uh, arranged to bring glory to the Lord. You know, it's little things that we do. After the first service, I had, had, had a wonderful uh, lady come up to me, and she, she was telling me, she, I had to tell you this story, Pastor. She said, I'm a school teacher, And here a while back, I don't remember when it was and what the occasion was, the bridge, you gave us ladies all these cups. They were bridge cups, and they had something spiritual on them. And she goes, and I, I took it to my desk at work, and I just set it on my desk. And she goes, I, I didn't really think anything about it. She said, during one of my first parent-teacher meetings, I had a mom come in and sit down, and she said, I was very, very nervous about bringing my son to the school, and I was very concerned about his well-being, but I walked in, and I saw your cup on your desk, and a peace came over me and said, he's going to be fine. See, whatever you do, God will see that he can be glorified through it. We aim our school, our job, at his glory. We go to work with a new purpose. We go to work not just to earn money to pay our bills, but we go to work to, to, to aim our life at his glory and to bring God glory in the way that we work in giving an honest day's work for an honest day's wage, in not cutting corners, in being ethical, having integrity in the workforce, being someone who builds others up at work rather than joining the crowd who's tearing others down. See, the same thing in school. We bring God glory. I was really nervous about going back to school. Some of you know I'm working, working on a doctoral degree. And, and I was worried going back into that secular environment and being around those secular professors. And I was worried about, you know, all the stuff you hear about campuses and all that and how they just don't want God and they don't want Jesus and here I'm a pastor. You know, and I, I'm ashamed to admit to you, when I first started back, I, I was going to say, you know what, I'm going to keep a low profile with the pastor thing. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just going to kind of feel my way around here. And God immediately said, no, you're not. And I I do not know how this happened. But God arranged it to where my email address identification is Reverend Pete Tokar. (laughs) I didn't sign it up that way. I don't even use that term here. And God says, no, you're there for my glory. And you know what? I was amazed as I finally got under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and I started living for the Lord at Nova University, you know what happened? Other believers started voicing their opinions in class when things contrary to the Bible were being taught and all that, and other people saying, yeah, I agree with that, I agree with that. Wait a minute, I don't know if i go with that. And not only that, but professors started coming up to me saying, do you know that my husband and I teach a Sunday school class for such and such and kids? And other, even one of my professors that now I'm going on trips with and he's got me involved in all kinds of things is Jewish. God has given me grace and favor with him and, and, and he's telling me about praying and stuff like that. It's amazing that if we will just give God glory, what God can do with that glory is unbelievable. Aim our finances at his glory. You know, we, 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 need to, we need to use what God has blessed us with for his kingdom. Jesus said, don't store up treasure for yourself on earth, store up treasure for yourself in heaven. See, we need to use part of our finances to support the work of the Lord. That's aiming our life at his glory. And by the way, when I ask you to tithe, and when I ask you to give the missions, and when I ask you to give the special events, and I do all that, all right? And God has blessed me. I, I could, and I have, I could tell you stories all day, but that's not what we're here for. Aim our time at his glory. How do we use our time? Is our entire relationship with God an hour and 10 minutes on Sunday morning at the 10.30 Contemporary Service at the Bridge Church? If that's true, then how realistic is it that we feel we're going to have a vibrant, exciting relationship with God? Now, we'll have it for an hour and 10 minutes. But where do we go? See, when we leave this campus... We're entering our mission fields to give God glory. First Corinthians 10:31, read it with me. So, whatever you eat and drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Now we can look and we can ex- embrace that scripture in one of two ways right now. We could say, Oh man, there it is again. That's so oppressive. We gotta do everything, everything I gotta do is God I gotta do, have God everything. Now, that's one way we could look at it, and some of you may be looking at it that way, saying, oh, here we go again. Pastor Peach is beating us up again. Or you can receive it how God intends it to be and receive it as, you know what? There's nothing that I do in life I can't give God glory in. And it's key because my spiritual joy is linked to my giving glory to God. And God has made it so simple that even when I eat and drink, I can say grace before my meal, that's giving glory to God. I can put a stupid little cup on my desk and somehow God's gonna get glory through that. Whatever I do, God has offered me joy through giving him glory. Finally, and I gotta hurry, we glorify God by confessing sin. Now you might say, now how in the world do we glorify God by confessing sin? Well, let me show you. We're going to go all the way back to the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. The scene is Adam and Eve have just fallen into sin. They've eaten the fruit of that one tree in the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that God said don't eat of that tree. And they've done it. So now, in Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 8, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. See, God used to come down at this time. He used to come down and have fellowship with them in the cool of the day. And they'd walk together and they'd talk and they fellowship because God created humankind to have, have fellowship with him. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he, God said, Who told you you were naked? Who told you you were naked? How'd you know that? I created you naked. You've been naked every day I've been down here. Why is that a bad thing to you now? He said, did you eat from that tree that I told you not to eat from? Well, we know he did, right? God knew he did. Now look at Adam's response. The man said, the woman you put here with me. She gave me to eat and I ate. God, I was doing my thing. I was doing exactly what you told me to do. I was managing the beasts of the field and I was taking care of the crops. I was taking care of your planet. I was doing exactly what you told me to do until she But who was he really blaming? God. He was blaming God. He said, the woman you gave me caused me to sin. And he looks at Eve. He says, what is this that you have done? And the woman says, the serpent deceived me. Who created the serpent? God. Basically, her answer was the same thing. It was the serpent that you created. He deceived me and I ate of the fruit. What did they do? They blamed God. They blamed God. Don't play the blame game. Those parents you gave me. God, if you had given me parents, I would have been a better person. I would have had a better... Now, granted, I fully validate that our parental upbringing really impacts us a lot. But we cannot choose to stay in a dysfunctional lifestyle, in a dysfunctional cycle because of our, what our parents did in the past. God will deliver us from that and we can give him glory for that instead of staying in that dysfunctional lifestyle and blaming god for the parents that we had that spouse you gave me <laughs> now we're right with adam and eve right that spouse husband said it that, that wife i'd be a better man i'd be a more godly man if if that wife who i thought was a princess wasn't really the incarnation of the witch of endora <laughs> You know what it's like living with her? Why did you bring me to her? There's a lot of other women, why did you, or okay. Other women, I thought I'd kiss this frog and become a prince, but I kiss the frog and he's a toad. I'd be a much better woman of God without him. Parents, it's those kids. We were okay until the kids came onto the scene. We prayed for kids, and these are the kids you gave us? Little previews of the Antichrist? It's that boss. It's those coworkers. They're always dragging me down. They're always tempting me. I'm always in this negative thing. It's always, it's them, 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 them. It's never me. See, as long as I blame others, I'm blaming God. That's why 1 John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive our sins and forgive us from all unrighteousness. We have to say, God, we got to come clean. That's what gives glory to God. We come to God and we say, God, I got a lot of circumstances and I know that, but ultimately I make my own decisions. I make my own choices, God. And in this case, I made a bad one and I want to confess it to you, God. It's not your fault. I don't blame you. I don't blame anybody else. It was in my house. It was in my control. I made the decision that I made. God, it's my fault. David did that. We saw it last week in Psalm 32. and said, when I acknowledge my sin to you, you forgave the guilt of my sin. As we live to God's glory, we put ourselves in the process of spiritual growth. Staying in the process of spiritual growth is what gives joy to the Christian experience. So this week, let's start with what we've learned today to freshen up our faith. Next week, I'm going to share five more things that you can incorporate into your daily living that will bring glory to God. And remember, whenever we bring glory to God, that's going to result in what? Spiritual joy, satisfaction. It comes back to us. Father, we thank you for your word. And we just pray now, Lord, that uh, your word has resonated in the life and the mind and heart of somebody here today. And Lord, for some of us, it'd be, oh yeah, yeah, I know that, and I'm doing that. That's great, Lord. They, they, they're firm now, they just keep doing that. Some said, oh yeah, forgot about that. I forgot how important that is. And for them, Lord, I just pray that they might use this time now to, to just reflect with you and, and, and get back on track. And then there's some here that said, oh Yeah. They'd never heard this before. This is the first time they ever heard this. And so now they are further equipped to live an amazing life with you. And Lord, help them to use the principles that we're learning and we'll learn next week to draw even closer to you than they've ever been before. Lord, help remind us that we're not gonna have joy. We are going to have the spiritual flaws as long as we refuse to give you glory with our life. Help that to resonate. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.